Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey team, and welcome to another episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Thank you very much for downloading it. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for all your messages of support. This is coming up to the one-month anniversary. It was one month ago that uh, I launched the podcast full of trepidation and fear and nerves and anxiety and uh, my imposter syndrome, it was flaring up, thinking, what if this sucks? What if it's panned? And um, so far, everything's going really well. It's been quite humbling, if I'm being honest. My measure of success in these early stages, like the first three to six months, I guess, um, was not going to be based on like the number of downloads or anything, but more on um, the sort of feedback I get as a um, gauge to let us know whether we're on the right track or not. Um, but I'm pleased to say um, the feedback's been... Uh, humbling quite frankly but also the download numbers have blown my socks off and exceeded my expectations and to think that this is the starting point and um, we've still got a lot of uh, learning to do and a lot of growing to do I'm just humbled Um, I do need to thank the sponsors of this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey, my good friends at Triumph and Disaster, they do men's skincare. Uh, I've been using them for a very long time. I love them. Fellas, if you don't have a skincare regime, or maybe you're like I was before I was on to Triumph and Disaster and just grabbing some Nivea or whatever other shit I could find at the supermarket, pamper yourself, treat yourself. Or ladies, um, if there's a man in your life that doesn't do that, pamper himself or treat himself, get him one of their travel packs. It's got like a little bit of everything in. It's like a little uh, sort of tuppers version of the Triumph and Disaster range. And I swear, once you get your fella onto this, he's not going to be turning back. It makes me feel so good when I put it on my face. Um, so up to you guys, no pressure. Um, but it'd be really cool if you would support the people that support the podcast. And that's Triumph and Disaster this week. Oh, I might add as well, because I, I did say a few weeks ago I was looking for sponsors on the show and um, uh, Triumph and Disaster came forward and uh, so did a bunch of other people and there's some meetings going on behind the scenes. So thank you very much. And if you do want to be involved, by all means, flick me an email, domharveynz at gmail.com. But this was really humbling. A few individuals, like maybe four or five, sent me messages asking if they could make donations. Uh, and I... I, I'm overwhelmed by that, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's not a charity and I, I do want this to be free for you guys to listen to. So hopefully whatever position you're in, you can get something out of it free of charge. But that was the, that was the nicest thing. And there is an option to do like a Patreon account, I think it's called, or Patreon, but I'd really rather not go down that route. I'd rather just align with some businesses so that you guys don't have to pay a cent. Anyway, here we go into the podcast. This is episode eight, myself with Dave Latelli. You may know him as the Brown Butterbean from back when he was a boxer, or now as Butterbean Motivation, uh, or maybe you don't know the name at all, but it's a remarkable story. Do need to warn you, not a lot of running chat in this one, but what we do have here is um, an inspirational story about a guy that was um, up against the ropes or at rock bottom, however you want to phrase it, eight years ago, and has turned his life around in the most dramatic way imaginable. And I feel like the, the takeaway that any of us can get from this is maybe you're in a slump at the moment, maybe you're, you're rock bottom, whatever that may look like, just goes to show that just by making a few small changes and then doing them day after day after day, uh, you can turn your life around and it'll be amazing how different your life could look seven or eight years from now to how it looks today. 
Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. I certainly enjoyed sitting down with Dave Latelli, and I hope you get as much listening to it. Thank you. Hey, runners only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is runners only with Dom Harley. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is runners only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is runners only with Dom Harley. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, runners only with Dom Harley. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and Dave Latelli, a.k.a. BBM. Butter Bean Motivation. G'day, mate. How's it going? It's a.k.a. The Mighty Brown Butter. The, the Mighty Brown Butter. When I first met you, that's that's who you were. I was uh, doing the Breakfast Radio Show on the Edge, and uh, we had quite a good relationship with uh, David Higgins and Duco Events, and you came in, and I I loved you immediately. Like I, I, I know it was shtick, and it was an act you were putting on, uh, but you came in, and you were big, and you were... Brash and you were loud and you were friendly. Um, how how much did you weigh then? That was at your peak, yeah. Yeah. So when I started, I was two hundred and ten kilos. Uh, I think when I had my first fight going in there, I was would have been about one hundred and seventy. Right. Yeah. And what are you, what are you weighing now? You're sitting in front of me. You're <laughs> you're a tank, like a, in a, the best possible way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Lucky you put in the best possible way. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm about one hundred and twenty kilos at the moment. Yes, yeah, so you're I, looking like Sonny Bill Bloody Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank yeah. <laughs> so now it's a it's a hell of a story. And uh, from when I first met you in 2014, as um, the what was it the the, the brown the brown butterbean? Yeah, like a like a, basically a, a, a fighting comedy act uh, to where you are now. It's been a phenomenal eight years. So we, we're going to unpack all that, get into that. But first of all, the podcast is called Runners Only, and I'm guessing like you have some sort of association with running, like a. Uh, and I just—I suppose I want to know: running for you is it um, something that you enjoy, or is it like a necessary evil? Something that you know is a fast track to losing weight? Yeah, no. Um, me and running, <coughs> like skipping, don't go too well together. But you know, for me, it was getting up and going for a walk. You know, you know, just with my the size I was um, and the injuries I've had. You know, having nine knee operations, I just had to be really careful. So I just walked, and I walked for long distances, and I, you know, I go to One Tree Hill and different mountains around, you know, Auckland. And so walking was really good for me, and, and I found it good because it just gave me time to think about life, um, and it also gave my brain a rest. So anytime I'm exercising in general, it just is a great form of therapy because it gives my brain a rest from everything that's going on. I'm just thinking, you know, I'm not thinking about lockdowns or the food bank. I'm thinking about, oh man, this is hard. This is a hard mm, session. How many mm. more reps? Man, this is a steep hill. You know, where's the top? Uh, so, so afterwards, I'm tired, but I, I'm mentally refreshed, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, for, for me, um, I mean, the podcast is about running, and running's where I think I found um, yeah, physical health and uh, also mental peace as well. But I, I say to anyone, like, it's about movement. And uh, for me, it's running. For you, maybe it's something else. But um, there is just so much that. Anyone can get out of any sort of movement or exercise. Hundred percent. You just got to get up and move. Yeah. You know, that's the name of our charity. Just move. Yeah. So you do. You do your boot camp. So we're going to get into that because they've become like an institution. They're super famous. Do you make your people run? Have you given your people an unhealthy relationship with running? No, no. So we, it's just different. You know, we have different levels of people and that that come into our classes. Most of the stuff we do in uh, you know in our regular boot camps, we just warm up on you know ins- inside doing body weight stuff. Yeah. Uh, but when we have boxing classes and we have fight camps, you know, there's a lot of running in that. 
um, you know, just because you've got to get, get your, your legs nice and strong. Yeah. Um, a lot of running and a lot of skipping. Different stuff that we do for different people. Because a lot of our people, you've got to remember, are, are really just starting. So I'm not going to make someone that's 300 kilos uh, run, you know, but I make them, you know, like, a, for instance, a guy called Tussie who started 320 kilos. Uh, and I just got him. To Wait, walk. sorry, can you repeat that? 320 kilos. 320 kilos. <sighs> the guy uh, was near dead. And thankfully, he, met, he came and got three weeks with me before getting COVID because I believe that if he hadn't got those three weeks of basin, he would have died. He went to hospital uh, with COVID. They were worried about his breathing. But when I first met him, he couldn't walk for a minute. You know, uh, and by the time we went to hospital, he was up walking over five minutes. Mm. You know, so just gave him a good base. You know, to fight COVID. Wow, how much weight did he drop in that three weeks? Because I feel like if you if you weigh if you're at a starting point of that high, it's got to be real easy yeah, to drop. So it. He's lost uh, uh, 24 kilos so far. Yeah. yeah, we just started back this week. Yeah, 24 kilos. But the most important thing with him is because weight loss just happens. Like it's there to lose for someone that size, but it's more about the confidence. Uh, it's more about you know he's you know living life more now and like just. We, the other day we trained and he, he got down on, onto his knees after a set and I, it shocked me. I said, because when I started, he couldn't, there's no way in the world he'd get down to the ground and back up again off his own, you know. Um, so it was just amazing. Really? Why not? Why couldn't he get down to his knees? At 320 kilos, you fall down, you need someone to help you get up. Okay. It's just, if, you can imagine, that's a lot of weight, mm. you know. Um, you know, you, strap, you see people strapping those 20 kilo vests on them and it's a struggle. Imagine having, you know, an extra 250 kilos or something on you. It's just, it's an insane. So, you know, that's why our program from the couch, it's about the whole idea of it is getting people to be able to get down to the ground and back up again on their own. Uh, for, for a lot of people, that just sounds like, that's silly. But it's the reality. Mm. Now, sometimes there's some people that w- I've been there, uh, if they fall over, we have to call an ambulance because even we can't help them. up. You know, so it's a serious thing. So, and it's something that's uh, liberating for them once they're able to get down and up on their own. People listen to you because you've got proven results now, but also you've been there. Yeah, like you know, I wasn't <laughs> you, to that I mean, extreme, you, but I was I was big. You yeah, know, I was re- and and I was in really bad shape physically, but worse mentally. You know, I I really hated my life. Uh, you know, having not having my children, going through a relationship breakup, losing all of my money. Um, you know, in two thousand fourteen, I had a gun at my head. You know, that's how how bad my life was. I was just living a really bad lifestyle. And I moved back here, but I worked, you know, and here we are. Oh, there's, I mean, there's so much to your story. Can we, can we wind it right back and yeah. just head through an order? Okay, so you, you're five years old, and your dad, David, he's the president of the mob. He gets jailed um, for... Arm robbery. Right, right. Do you remember much about that at the time, or are you too young to sort of comprehend uh, it? All and- I remember, and I remember it vividly, was uh, my mum coming home panicked just like packing stuff and, and, and cursing my father. And she had a friend there with her and they're just, just panic, just pure panic. That's all I remember. And I, was, I remember as a kid I was trying to do stuff to make her laugh, you know, to make her... Um, to cheer her up. Yeah, to cheer oh. her up and make her happy. And um, so I like, you know, they had those, you know, those slime containers. <laughs> yeah, I, I do, them. I do, yeah. I put the slime in my hair. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that would make her happy, but... <laughs> Added to the stress, but yeah, that's all I remember, bro. Right. When you hear that you grew up and your dad was the mob president, you sort of uh, the, the immediate vision you get. I, well, I suppose the immediate vision I get is like a, it's, a, it's a once we warriors house, but it wasn't quite like that, was it? It was better than that. Yeah, no, I was very lucky. Still, I had we had a good family, you know. So 
when the, a lot of the people that we work with, they're, they're coming from generations of, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. Yeah, they're podcast. coming from generations of fucked upness. Mm. You know, just uh, that generation after generation of generation. And, and it's so hard to break those cycles, you know, because they've just constantly been around shit. They've, had, they've never had any role models of, or anyone being successful. So they don't even know what success looks like. Yeah. Just, it's normalised to be, um, you know, uh, a criminal or be on the dole and, you know, all these types of things. But, you know, at least with us, we had uh, a good family apart. It was my father and my uncle that went off track. They were the ones that were always in, in prison and joined the mob, you know. Um, but, you know, we saw a lot. You know, we did see a lot. We were around, the, we were around a lot of mob parties and... You know, we were really growing up with my parents. You know, my parents were only young when they had us. Yeah. Uh, my father, you know, he, he, he come from a good family, but he was just a naughty kid. You know, he burnt down his school when he was nine years old uh, and then was made a, st- uh, a state award. A ward of the state. Ward of the state yeah, at nine, right. you know, for a few years. Yeah. When he came back, he never went back to school. Mm. My mum was a street kid. You know, her um, coming from an abusive background, um, you know, moved up here and met my dad, when I think, when they were like 12 or 13. Yeah. But it sounds like you were a good kid, though, and then you, you finished school, you went to university, started doing an accountant's degree? Yeah, I went to uni, I think that's yeah. the key thing, I went there. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I mean, you're obviously, like, smart enough to, to yeah, yeah, get, look, get through I, high school, knowing from right from wrong, and yeah. getting the necessary qualifications to yeah. make it to uni. I was driven, yeah, because I, uh, I hated being poor, man. You know, I've never met anyone that likes it, but, I, man, I just, I really hated not having anything. But I didn't go down the route of, um, you know, wanting to be uh, a criminal. And my parents done well in, in my teen years to keep us away from it. Yeah. You know, we didn't really have any idea in, the te- in my teens, um, in my early teens. So I studied really hard, you know. I, I went and, I, you know, I was friends with Dave Higgins where I met him in school, him and his brother. And, we, you know, we were a bit, a bit um, geeky, you know, and just... <laughs> It surprises me. I want to get into that later. So David Higgins, he's um, he's like the boss of um, Joe Parker. That's probably what he's most famous for now. But he's he's an incredible guy. But he's super nerd. Like you two, uh, a very unlikely duo. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, we're a, a motley crew of. You know, we, had, we had me, Dave, his brother, his brother who works here with us. And you thought Dave was out there. Wait till you meet his brother. And then uh, and then we've got. Um, you know, we had uh, uh, an Australian guy that moved back here and, and an Indian. So we're, that was us. That was our crew. And we're all still yeah. friends to this day. Okay so, yeah, so, 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 okay, so you're at university studying to be an accountant. Um, and, and that's sort of where you go off the rails. How do you go off the rails? What happens there? Yeah. You, you think the high, I would have thought like for you the high risk age would have been like secondary school. That's nah, when you get in with a bad yeah. crowd. You're a grown ass man. Yeah. And I found that I, I was in uni, did really well in school, you know, and, you know, we went to uni and we were actually. Everything come unstuck when my father, uh, he went, he got done for cultivating marijuana and he had warehouses all over Auckland and one particular warehouse in South Auckland where I was actually working part-time, part-time you know, I had a couple of part-time jobs. One, one was at a video shop with Dave Higgins and the other one was minding our plantation in Mangere. So um, and that's where it come unstuck. And, you know, I talked to a lot of at-risk youth and it just glamour, uh, the the this gangster life is it's, it's just glamorized too much, and it's because it's not glamorous. Mm. And the feeling that I got when my mum when my mum called me and said, "Don't go to work today because we've been raided," uh, it was it was a hard feeling. I was really scared, really super angry, um, worried for my mum, and really just really pissed off at my dad. Mm. And I was just thinking, "Fuck!" You know, really, I thought 
what? Man, we're just about to harvest. I was going to get some money. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was coming up to that exciting time, you know, laying in bed thinking, man, what am I going to buy? What kind of car am I going to buy? So, um, and then, we, yeah, then that happened. And I just went off track. I quit uni. I quit my job. And um, I ended up living in a, in a tinny house in Mangere on Plumlee Chris with my cousins. And it was a shit house. It was like a halfway home. It was just, you know, we'd open it up to whoever wanted to stay there with our friends. Um, half the time had no power. Mm. It was, oh, I was filthy, you know. Like, it was, it was yeah, the pits. Yeah. And um, I was selling drugs to survive, you know. And what I thought was, this is my whole reasoning behind it, was uh, in boxing I played this character of a bad guy. But, and this was real life. And I thought, my dad's gone. He's, going, he's gone back to prison. Yeah. My uncle's already in prison, serving 15 years. Uh, so the men are gone. It's only me there and my mum and my two younger sisters. Yeah. So I thought to myself, I've, in that life, which they never tell you about, when the man's gone, you know, you're open. You're open. There's no one stopping you. No one's stopping anyone for coming if you want, picking, taking your car. Or, you know, and you just, did it, you just don't know. I didn't know. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to go off and be this um, bad guy and try and build up this reputation as fast as I can by doing outlandish shit. And that's what it was, you know. I was living in Māori and I was just, you know, people would come and say, can you kidnap this person for if we give you this money? Um, and, you know, um, repossessing cars off people that owe money um, and just being a, just living a really shit life. Like a thug life. Just, yeah, just, just a loser. Mm. You know? But at the time I didn't think, at the time I thought I was cool, you know. And... Uh, well, it must have been. Quite, I suppose it was quite a cool feeling, like being intimidating. Well, yeah, seeing people, seeing people's fear in their eye when you turned up. That must uh, have been like uh, good for the ego at the time. I don't no, know. I didn't have an ego back then, man. I was just. Uh, it's hard to explain. I wasn't. I'm still the same person now as I as I was back then. I was raised right, right. Because you you got a good heart. Like you yeah, got one of the biggest just, hearts out of anyone. Like yeah, and it, it was the same back then. I just in my mind, it was you know. I just. Didn't want anyone to fuck with my mum. Right. Did part of it stem from a place of anger, like you were angry at your dad? Yeah, super angry. Yeah. You know? Um, and the, yeah, like, you know, just even talking about it now, it uh, brings back bad memories. You know, I, I, there's one thing, you know, that I, a guy sold us a car that didn't work, so I went round to his house, and it was around Christmas time, and I took to his car, and then I got him, to, the Chris goes just got delivered. So I got him. I want all that Crisco's, you know. And I just now thinking about it, I was going, "Fuck!" You know, this guy had kids, and, and it's just, um, I was just doing stupid, sh- yeah. stupid shit, you know. And then, then that guy ended up going to jail for, um, for assisting with a murder. Mm. And then I thought, "Shit, lucky he didn't do that to me." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I was just doing a lot of a lot of bad stuff too. Yeah. Okay, so after that you ended to... Why did you end up in Australia? Was that a, like a family intervention where they sent you there because yeah, they could see you going down the... Yeah, well, what had happened was, you know, and if you can imagine where me, Dave Higgins, his brother, Anthony, all my group, Anna and Hitesh, were um, at a party in the, in the middle of Mangare around the town centre somewhere. And so we just did not fit, you know. And it was a mob party and... Uh, they wouldn't let me in. You know, at this time, I was getting banned from a lot of... Like, there was a mongrel mob nightclub in Papatoli I got banned from. And they Why were you banned? To, I was just causing fights all the time. Uh, and then they wouldn't let me into this party. And so I ended up 
having a, a punch up with them there. And then someone, they'd gone back to where I was living and they'd smashed up the cars. One of those cars was David Higgins' mum's car. And it just sent me into a really, it was a bad spiral that mm. night. And then I went home and I, I ended up stabbing myself. Um, and I just remember waking up in hospital. And that was the, the point what, with what my you, family. What do you mean? Like how many times? Oh, just into my chest. Right. Yeah, just here. What, intentionally? Yeah. Do you think, like, was it a, like a suicide attempt? I don't know if I was a suicide attempt. Who knows? Like, I was just fucking angry. I hated my life. Um, yes. And I was just really drunk. And, uh, and that's what I did. And then I woke up in Middlemore, and my mum's there. She's crying. And I was just trying to console her, you know, saying, Look, don't worry, mum. I was just drunk, you know. Don't worry. It's all right. And then they had my dad brought my dad in with two prison guards. And I didn't want to see my dad. I was really angry. And still now to this day, my, me and my dad's relationship's not the, not the best. How old is he now? Uh, 60, 60 right. old, early 60s. Right. Your mum and dad's still together. Yeah. yeah. Do you, yeah. Want, you want to fix it or? Uh, oh, we are. He, he, he's usually working here most days. Yeah. He comes in and does his work here. We are, you know, I love him. He loves me. But it's not like a real close right. relationship, you know. Yeah. You, you, and, you and me, we're from very different backgrounds and very different upbringings. But I can resonate with everything you say. I feel yeah. like this, my, my mum and dad, they sort of broke up and they got back together. And he was a bit of a rat bag. And it still feels now there's this, there's this like wall between us, this yeah. divider. Yeah. And he knows I'm there for him. And, and I know he's there for me. But it's just, we just don't have that connection that a lot of other people have. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah but then part of me feels guilty, like I've got to try harder because I know he's, he's like 73 and I know he's not going to be around forever and yeah. I don't want to be carrying the burden of guilt when he dies that I haven't done yeah. my bit. I think, yeah, we both have, maybe that's a deal we both have to make is try harder. <laughs> and yeah, that's, you know, I do. I have, to, I, have to, I have to fix that. Yeah. I mean, you're still angry at him now or do you sort of understand like how he was or not, can't get oh. your head around it now? No, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. We're, and we're both now, he's turned his life around and he runs a, a foundation called Grace, which my uh, sister who died of cancer, she started looking after prisoners and uh, battered women. So I get it because, you know, when you're doing this type of work, uh, you know, your family time suffers. And so that's where me and him have arguments because we lost him f- to prison. Yeah, for many and, years. Yeah, and now, you know, because of the work he does, he's not really around my children right. you know, as much as I, I'd like him to be. Um, so that's that's where we clash, but then I'm the same. Like, you know, I'm always working too. So it's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, oh it's God, a, you get must annoy the fuck out of you when you can see like aspects of your dad in you. Oh yeah, <laughs> and we both. Yeah, like, you know, I love and I learned one thing about from my parents. I learned, you know, I, my heart from them uh, and and work ethic. You know, it's because they they're always been always been very very hard workers, whether it was legal or illegal. Yeah. Okay, so so there's there's the, the stabbing thing where you stab yourself and end up in hospital. You think that like that could be a pivotal moment in your life, like a turning point. Oh, there was more to come. But yeah. <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> like, like you think that would be um, that, that would be like rock bottom, but uh, it was still a long way from rock. So you end up in Australia after that. Yeah, so I went to Australia after that and um, got my life back together. You know, I ended up roofing uh, for my uncle and lost heaps of weight and um, came back to New Zealand where my father got. You know, he he ended up. Lucky getting a he had a good lawyer, and uh, served a bit of time, then got home detention. Uh, so I moved back when that happened and started playing league again, you know, and then went and went back to uni, uh, doing a BCom, started playing league again. That's when the whole league dream start restarted. Oh, uh, mate, I saw if, if you Google, there's a photo of you playing for I think Counties Manukau and the maybe the Barter Cup or something. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're a you're a fit looking bugger. Yeah, no, I was um 
I really um, loved league. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I tried you good? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I made schoolboy Kiwis, um, you know, and I, I played for North Sydney Bears. I played in France. Chasing it, you know, I was contracted to Manly. I really chased the dream, but I could never just quite quite get there. But, um, that, yeah, you know, for a few years it was everything. Yeah, quite a few. My, so, my, my early, late, my whole 20s, basically. Yeah. Right. So, so, so what, what went wrong in Australia? What went wrong? Because I read you were doing really well. You, had, you ended up having a business, so a couple of grocery stores or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't really go into it too much, but okay. I was... I ended up playing in a little country town, and uh, they, they they you get good money playing in country footy more than being a, a signed NRL player. You can make more money. The only time you, how so? How does well, that when work? When you're a, when you're on the French soles in a part time squad for Manly, right? So it's good money if you play NRL. If you don't, if you're a fringe part timer, there's no money. You still got to work. So I thought, okay, I'll just go. I can make good money playing in the country in Cootamundra is where I played, and I got a job at a supermarket. I just was working there, had my two younger kids, and just working as a storeman, uh, ended up going into the office, because I'd done accounting, you know, did some accounts, ended up doing payroll, and went to be, worked, uh, to be floor manager, then store manager, done really well in that store, got an opportunity to, to be financed into my own, and that's where things went unstuck, because, you know, you always see these athletes and um, celebrities who make all this money, and then they lose it, and you go, how the hell did that happen? Mm. It's so easy, because if you're not educated how to handle money, and most of my people and my generation, people that I was with, we just weren't. We didn't have any money. We are never told. You know, I think it's because, you know, no one expects us to be anything either. Yeah. You know, and so we just, I just wasn't prepared. I had no idea what the hell GST was. <laughs> Maybe I should have listened more in accounting. But <laughs> and, um, you skip that class. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and income tax and all these things. So I ended up, uh, you know, I went hard at whatever I was doing and I was just doing heaps of stuff and not, I was no longer worried about training or my health. So I was gaining heaps of weight and owning a few different things and always had a good heart and just supporting everything. But then it just all come unstuck. And, and that's why I say to parents, you know, we've got to be careful what our kids see. Because mm. although I never wanted to be like my parents and my uncle, I saw it. And when I lost my businesses, I th- could finally see what my dad would say. I did everything, I, all this stuff I did, I did it for you. Because that's exactly what I was thinking about my children. Yeah. I said, okay, I'm not going to have any of my kids want for nothing. Uh, material. You know, it's mm. always, we're driven by these material things, you know. I want to give them all the best of everything. Uh, whereas I should have just been happy to go broke again, but still have my family, you know, but I wasn't. And so I ended up living, just going and diving headfirst into this uh, criminal lifestyle. Right, right. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen you, I've read a few interviews with you, I've seen a few interviews and you just sort of, you, you do just sort of touch upon the surface of this and you don't really go deep into it. Is it still too painful? It's one of those things that it's, yeah. with the passage of time, you'll be able to talk about it, but just not now. Yeah, it's painful. Mm. And it's, um, you know, you, some things you can't talk about because, yeah. you know... Fix other people. Fix other people. Sure. And so it's something that I, I just want to... Talk, I talk about it when I do, like, you know, if I'm talking to people off air. Mm-hmm. But when I'm online, yeah, I just got to be careful. But look, it was, I was a, just doing really bad, uh, stupid things in the name of my children. Mm. That's how, if you speak to a lot of gangsters... You know, with children, it's all the same. I'm doing this for my family. You know, when really it's not. It's selfish mm. because all it does is take you away from your family. Yeah. And exactly what it did for me. You know, I w- wasn't even living with my family anymore because 
you know, I was afraid of so I was afraid someone would come and try and do something to try and hit me. And I didn't want my family around. Mm. I, I suppose by, by anyone that says that, you can sort of use it as a, a tool to justify what you're doing. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. You're just justifying. Yeah. I'm doing all of this stuff, but it's for a good reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just not, you know, and it all it ended up, I, was, I got held up at gunpoint, you know. Uh, and that's where that life led me. Right. Yeah, it was, it was, Shit. Yeah, it was crazy. What happens when you're held up at gunpoint? Like, do you, I, I think I'd look like legit, um, Probably like piss myself or shit myself or something. Well, yeah. Well, it's just lucky I just gone toilet. So. <laughs> <laughs> but are, are you? I mean, you're you're a you're an imposing guy. Like, are you, are you in the face of a gun? Are you are you scared or were you? Of course, it's not like the movies. You know, where yeah. you you know, going guy, pull the trigger. I I literally I was on the toilet and I heard this. Um, oh, you legit yeah, were. Yeah, I was on oh. the toilet <laughs> and I heard um I heard all the scuffling going on out and yelling outside. I went, fuck. Got up. Opened the door and there was a gun right there, and I went fuck. It's just like, and it's like um, things were happening in slow motion. I was, just, you know, I obviously I didn't want to die, and so I'm just doing what they say. And the person I was with was trying to um, push back, and I just told them, just don't, just leave it. So they were, um, you know, just searching our house. Mm. I think it was three of them, and then once they found what they wanted, they ran out, and I, I, I chased them. I chased them. And, and um, I ended up being on the roof of their car, and I could just hear them saying, shoot him, shoot him. And for me, that's like a sign, you know, uh, that I'm meant to be here doing what I'm doing now mm. because how I'm not dead or in jail. It's uh, the only one reason is because it was God's plan. And I'm not religious, but I do believe in God. And I, I believe that, um, you know, that that's the reason I'm here doing what I'm doing now. Because yeah. there's so many chances, uh, times in my life, like there was fights that I've been in where, you know, that's why I was never worried about boxing because, you know, there was... F- in terms of like being hurt yeah. or being beaten. Because there's fights that I've been in uh, when I've gone through these bad times where you didn't know if you were going to make it out. Mm. You know, it was some real heavy stuff um, where you thought, geez, you know, I could die. Mm. Um, so I never really worried about, about the boxing thing. Mm. Well, I suppose, yeah, boxing's not a... Matter of life and death, is it? It's, yeah, you you it, might yeah. get humiliated well, or it, embarrassed. It, yeah, it can be. You got to be. Take, that's why you got to take it serious. Yeah. You know, people die in the ring, but it's 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 different. You know, you got you got a, a ref there to pull someone off you. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. So 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 then, when does David Higgins? Is that the end of your time in Australia? Like when you, the the show- Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. 
shooting? Yeah, or so how, much, how much longer after that was, uh, did you get the lifeline? It wasn't much yeah. longer. Um, so that was it. That was pretty much yeah, rock bottom. That was rock bottom. And I was, okay. I was sitting in a place and it was pitch black later that night. And that's why I say, you know, everyone, again, this life, that, that life, where yeah, they talk about brotherhood and all this stuff. And, you know, I just was alone. I had no one. I was no one around, you know. And I just was thinking. To me, I was thinking about retribution. That's what I was thinking. Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to go. Sh- I'm going to go shoot this guy, you know, um, who I thought it was. And uh, but I had a moment, just a, a moment of clarity. Where again, I, I believe it was God coming in, and just put planted the seed. And it was funny because the way I justified was, it's not his kid's fault. He's a dick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's what stopped me from doing yeah, something. Yeah, because I, just, you know, I was still a good person. Yeah. Just doing bad stuff, and I just thought it's not his kid's fault. So that's sort of stopped everything. I, but I'd already rang my parents and I told them to, I need you to come get my family because I'm gonna, um, you know, and they they were shocked because they didn't know anything was going down, and then that you know, and they thought I was still own the supermarkets, mm. and then uh, Dave Higgins found out, and then he rang me, and it was around the time of the NRL nines, and he just you know he said, look, why don't you come back? I'm gonna get the boys together. You know, we haven't seen each other in a while, and I'm doing this big event, so let's come back. And I said, okay, that sounds good, but I've got no money, I've got no passport, and I can't fit in the economy. <laughs> and so uh, he, he sent one of our other mates that lived in Sydney, he sent him some money to get me a 24-hour passport. So I, I went up to Sydney, went to the passport office, got it done, they paid for it. Um, got me a, a business class trip. By the way, was that, was that a line, or were you uh, actually too big for an economy uh, seat? That's a great line. It worked, yeah. so it was a great line. He thought, I was, um, he thought I was lying because he, he knew that, oh, man, he just thinks I'm cracking it now so he's going to try and get a business touch with that. But when he saw me, he, um, he understood. And it was crazy because, I mean, I was sweating just walking five metres, you know, and I was sweating bricks by the time I got to his car. And he, was, he just got his new Audi RS7. <laughs> and he's, he's got rid of that car now because he said it represented years of hedonism. <laughs> I mean, um, and he's going... Don't get in! Don't get in! I've got to put my seat back. I don't. <laughs> I don't want you on it when I have to put it back. So, um, and sort of then, you know. And then we spent that weekend, sort of. Gee, he was just really sussing me out, I guess. You know, just trying to find out uh, what was going on the whole time he's running this event, and you know, we we're getting wasted. <laughs> and it's funny because you know that was at Eden Park, and that was a very successful event yeah, too. It was massive. The first in our nines, yeah, phenomenal. It was, it was such a, and I was so proud of him. And mm. but my life was a mess, and I I didn't even watch games outside because I was sweating too hot. So I just sat inside on VIP and just yeah, got cool. drunk. Um, and I was it's funny now because I'm friends with Nick, uh, who's the boss of Eden Park. And I said to him when we because if you see that that poster behind you, that's at Eden Park, you know. Yeah, that's right. The world's yeah, biggest boot camp, camp that you did. So and, good. Uh, I'm friends with Nick, and I said to him when we were doing, I said, "Man, I've done so much drugs in your toilets." <laughs> you know, I was saying to the girlfriend, and he goes, "Oh, don't tell me that," because <laughs> he's like a real, real nice guy, real straight, but real straight guy. And I said, "Man, I've done some drugs in these toilets," because uh, that's what I was doing at, at the. Because I, I didn't, I'd take anything, I'd snort anything, because I, I didn't care about my life. Right. Yeah. What were you on? Were you on speed, coke, whatever, well, um, anything? Yeah. You know, they said it coke. It's coke, but who knows? New Zealand there, coke. Yeah. yeah New Zealand knows? coke is probably fake cocaine. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not good for anyone, but if you're a big dude, it's dangerous on the old ticker. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and, you know, I was just, that's why I was just sweating, like I was fucking, on. and, uh, you know, I, I, I took some, uh, I took some pills that were really bad, they were no good, 
and I was and it was just sent me. I was you know causing fights and mm. um, and just looked like a maniac. You know? Yeah. And um, but at the end of the nines at the after party, and that's when Dave said to me, "Look, I think you need to move back. Um, I'll sort everything, but uh, you know I'm not sorting nothing until you're back here." So I, I came back, and, that, and, and that's when I came back and, and started to um, on this journey. You know, that is such a good thing to do. I mean, you know, you, there's that saying: you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It yeah. was a, he, he could have flown you back, and then you just completely fuck it up over here. Again. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, he gave me this opportunity, and he's given that. You know, he's, he's helped a lot of people, but uh, you know, I re- I didn't want to let him down. I said, okay, if you're going to help me like this, and uh, and um. Yes, that was, that was accountability a big yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. And, and he really helped me. It wasn't just getting me back here. He looked after some stuff for me. And um, so, I, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to give it my all. But we didn't yeah. know what we were going to do. We mm. still didn't know about boxing. The whole boxing stuff came about in Germany. You know, um, Dave was worried about me because I was very depressed. And uh, so he'd, he'd never really leave me alone much, you know. Um, he'd always take me to different stuff and um, he'd check in on me all the time. I had a few friends like that that were here. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I stayed in a community home uh, on a mattress and, you know, I was staying with rapists, Hemi the Rapist, and uh, some robbers that were just out of prison. That's where I was living and he'd come and stay over sometimes. I had real bad sleep apnea, so he didn't sleep much because he thought I was going to die in my sleep. Mm. And um, then he, he said, okay, we're going to Germany. Joe's fighting over there. Do you want to come? I said, yeah, of course. And he said, well, you better train hard because you're not coming business. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I suppose there's a difference between like a, a one-way business yeah. class from Sydney to yeah. a return flights yeah. to Europe business yeah. class. And uh, I say, sweet. So I started walking twice a day. And, um, you know, that was that motivation. And over there, over in Germany, they were, they were really fascinated. This was at Joe's weigh-in. They had the undercard weigh-in, the, the head of German boxing. They were like, man, fascinated with this massive islander with tattoos everywhere and a shaved head. Uh, so they wanted to see what I weighed. and I did too. So Because, you know... They were, whenever I jumped on a scale back home, it always said error. So I was like, okay. Did it actually? Yeah. Wow. So I jumped on and I was 178 kilos and I was like pumped. Oh, because you'd lost? I'd lost. <laughs> and everyone, so it was so, and I, there is a photo somewhere, I'll try and find it, where everyone else was so shocked at who's this fat bastard and I was so happy. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the man. On the scale, like, and all these people are laughing at me, and you're just doing, you know, doing what you see on YouTube, like yeah, a stereotypical yeah. arrogant boxer. I was like, I'll beat anyone. I'm the man. I'm the man. They can't no one beat me. And um, that's when that light bulb went off in Dave's head. Said, Man, this is what you're going to do because he saw the reaction. Because this is what you're going to do when you go back to New Zealand. We're going to roll you out, and you're going to be our next. Circus act because you know they've had I think the dwarves. Yeah, there was at the time that Duco were doing um, yeah, yeah, dwarf Witches, boxing, yeah, reality yeah. stars, yeah. Yeah, basically anyone that would anyone. Get to, yeah, sell yeah. some tickets. Uh, if, 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 if they could get past the SPCA, they probably would have had a human fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, that was them. And so that was me. I was their next circus act. We're going to roll you out. He said, "We're going to roll you out before Joe." Well, hurtful phrasing, yeah. by the way. And uh, I said, "Sweet, how much am I going to get paid?" And, and it wasn't much. What know? was it? Like five grand. Five grand. Five grand. Okay. And uh, you know. It, that must have seemed like a, a decent amount of time. It was time. big for That's, me because yeah. I had no other ways. And I was on the edge of saying, uh, you know, to my sister Vicky, rest in peace, she'd be like, because I'd say, look, sis, I can't do this. I'm going to go out and, and um, get back into that life uh, over here and make money. And um, 
But she'd always say to me, you know, just stay on this path. I can see something coming. I can see something. Just stay on it. Just keep exercising. I can see something. And this was long before anything, you know. And then so we we did it. I did the same thing I did in Germany. And people uh, laughed at me. And then they put it on uh, Crowd Goes Wild and in the paper. And then the hate started. It was crazy, you know. Because um, back then there was no real boxes like, like mainstream doing over here in New Zealand talking like that, and especially not Islanders, you know, so I was like, yeah, I'm the man, I'll beat anyone, I'm the toughest man, can't no one beat me, the mighty brown butterbean, you know, and the whole way they got that name was, it was Dave's brother, Andrew, when I told Andrew, I said, oh, they're gonna, Dave's going to put me on a card, I was excited, he goes, and Andrew scoffed, he fuck, what are they going to call you, the black butterbean, because there's <laughs> that famous American oh, white American guy, dude, yeah, the big ball dude. butterbean, right. so, they, so Dave said, I like it, but we can't say black, we're going to say brown, you are the brown butterbean, we're going to spell it with a a instead of a butter, and the whole premise was you're going to be the baddest. Do whatever you want. There's no rules. You do whatever you want. Cause as much chaos as you can. You only talk about yourself in the third person, um, and just cause trouble. And the butterbean does whatever he wants. You know and that's that's and so that was the character. And I had Craig Stanaway. You remember Craig Stanaway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the um, yeah, the um, the the, the media guy at yeah. UK for many years. Yeah, and he he loved wrestling. Yeah. So yeah, he was he he always. Funny story about Craig. Um, hopefully he hears this, but uh, it was funny. We're over in Samoa, and he's quite an a, a interesting character, Craig yes, Stanaway. And um, I'm, you know, he, so he's, he's really into, like, he, he's the man, you know. And we're over in Australia, uh, sorry, Samoa, prom- promoting Joe's fight. And he goes, You know, Butterbean? He goes, I've, uh, I've uh, commentated X amount of Commonwealth Games. I've done. X amount of Olympics on the most, one of the most highly decorated uh, New Zealand, uh, what do you call it, media personalities. This, this is a good impression. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, but you know what my, my proudest achievement is? I said, what's that, Craig? He goes, you. <laughs> he goes, creating you is my proudest achievement. So well done. <laughs> and, uh, Unbelievable. That, that's Craig. Yeah. If you know Craig, you'll be laughing now. Listen to this. And, and, but he, you know, to his credit, you know, we, I, li- I listened to what he said. He loved wrestling. Mm. So he turned me into a, a wrestling heel, you know, and, uh, and that's what, but, but no one could take it. You know, over here, you know, I was getting, you know, you're a disgrace to all our people. Some of my workers here were also my haters, <laughs> not, not here in this room. Oh, well, because it's just not the, except, like, what, what you were doing, it's, yeah, as you said, it's an American thing. It's been done in wrestling for years. Um, I think one of the best in the game now is probably Tyson Fury yeah. at it. Yeah. He does it better than, is, is it just done Samoan? I think it's, yeah, it's just not in our culture where, right. you know, where we are taught from a young age to be humble and, um, you know, but, that's what the thing was. The most common message was, "Humble yourself, be humble." <laughs> and I, my most, my reply: "Humble's not paying my bills." Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and so you know, I know the kind. I am a humble person, but I'm having to play this character because feeding it's mm. it's feeding my children. I'm sending money back. It's keeping. That's what I'm doing. And. Every fight I was on, I kept losing weight, and that's how we started BDM. Yeah. You know? And uh, as I said, it was around this time through your association with uh, David Higginson Duco that um, that I met you on my radio show, yeah. and we we loved having you in. You were yeah. great, Chad, every time. Yeah. Um, did you, you you look back? I mean, obviously that was that was that was a step in the journey to where you are now. So it was a necessary step. But do you look back now and you're embarrassed about it, or you're like, no, nah, that was you got to own it. That's part of. Yeah, now some of the stuff I watch, and it's like, oh. But, <laughs> but you uh, did it so well. But, uh, you know, to me, it's like part, yeah, like part of the journey because, you know, it got me used to speaking in front of people and, um, 
you know, now I do a lot, you know, I get paid to speak to companies and at corporate events, you know, so it was all training for me. Mm. You know, to, to everything it was that happened to me was, there was a reason, and the reason is because is it's prepared me for now. And uh, all these media people that I had to meet, you know, I've used them now in the context that I made to do what I'm doing now to yeah. help me now, yeah. you know. So yeah, it none of it would have, none of this would have happened without any of that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that so the boxing thing, which is long behind you now, that led you to um, Butterbean Motivation, BBM, t-shirts everywhere. You've done so much good stuff. How did, how did that happen? Like, are you much of like a goal setter, or is it just sort of do you just sort of like bumble your way through these yeah. things and it happens and it seems like a good idea and then it's yeah, a thing. Uh, yeah. There's not much planned with my stuff. I'm pretty organic, but the way the thing happened was. So on every show I was fighting on, because Duco kept me on because of the, you know, the, the stir that I was causing. Uh, yeah, you sold tickets. Yeah, sold tickets. And I was just like, man. So I was, having, I was doing more and more outlandish things. To, cause I, <laughs> I, one thing I understood was, <laughs> I understood that Joe Parker is the main event. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm to make the news, I have to do real stupid stuff. But for each, each, each fight, I was losing weight. And so people, amongst the hate mail I was getting, I was getting messages like, how are you doing this? What's the secret? Everyone thinks there's a secret to losing weight. Um, so I just tell them, well, you know, you've got to stop drinking fizzy drinks and stop mm. going to KFC every day and go for a walk. But everyone was expecting me to say, just take this pill, drink this drink, and stand on a machine that shakes you and you're going to lose the weight, you know. Um, so I started... A vibrant yeah, train. <laughs> so I started that group BBM. started a group BBM Motivation just on Facebook as a place where I could send people to, where I could be myself. So it was private. What, so, what year was this? Oh, I would have started that group maybe 2015. 15, so seven years. Shit, yeah. it's come a long way in seven yeah. years. Yep. And uh, just as I started off as a personal, like a blog. Yeah. And then I would send people to, because everywhere else on all other uh, all of my other socials, I was being this dick. But in the group, I was myself. You know, and I was sharing and just saying, this is what I'm doing. And the, the boot camp started with, my. I was living in at my father-in-law's, my, uh, my parents' in-laws, and they... He had a friend that needed to lose some weight. So he asked me, oh, can you come and help him? So I helped him down at Trust Stadium. There was like five of us there. And then I just thought to myself, geez, I wonder if anyone else in our online group would want to come. Put that, so it started. And then out south where I started with helping one person in a driveway in Papatoi. wonder if anyone else wants to come. And that's how this has started from that. You know, and we, we just more from, gone from training people in driveways and fields and car parks, anywhere we could, you know, to now having, you know, uh, one, two, three gyms, uh, all free, everything free. Um, you know, this food share and a community kitchen. You know, we're opening up in Tokoroa, so it's pretty, yeah. pretty yeah. amazing. Re- realistically, um, uh, how many lives do you think you've saved or helped saved? Oh, man. Obviously, people have got to do the work themselves, but yeah. without you, arguably, they wouldn't have done it. Oh, I don't know, man. It's, like, we're know, talking we're, hundreds? Thousands? Oh, it'd be thousands. We've had a massive impact. You know, when you think about, you know, um, the, you know there's at least pre-COVID, before this, we've only just opened back up, but, you know, there was, you know, a thousand people a week coming, you know, and then you've got their families, their kids, and, you know, then you think about... Through the since only since August last year, we've fed over um, you know be close to two hundred thousand people. Yeah. Um, just since August last year, so the impact that and the, I talk I had a talk today about to someone about creating a course to certify people to train them how to how to do what we do, um, and he he put it really well. You know, because just that, that that pebble you threw out, which was a free boot camp for some, one person. You know, the ripples it's caused, mm. you know, and uh, something I'm going to do, I'm going to 
uh, that I need to do is just go back and look that, look at that and unpack it, you know, and put it all down, you know, so we know, look, you know, this is what all these things that have happened, you know, from yeah. that one pebble. Yeah. So okay. So from um, Butterbean Motivation, how did the how did the food bank thing start? By the way, to, to, I'm upstairs with you in your office, and to to, to get here, um, I had to like squeeze my way through like pallets of food. Yeah. It's a whole operation downstairs. There's a whole lot going on. Yeah, it's full on. Yeah. It's full on, and it's yeah, it's it's tough. We started we started the food bank. It was really you know our attitude is and the way I live my life is if I can help, I will. That's the way I live, and that's the way that's our BBM value. And we had um, the first ever level four. I got asked by a social worker out west if I can help a family out south. Now, keep in mind that I was only really running our boot camps. We do little bits and pieces of help. We were known to help if we could, but we had no food bank. We had nothing. We'd always done bits and pieces, but then I said, okay, because the bureaucracy of the system is so messed up, and also this family had nothing. And they're going into lockdown. No one could help them. So I went out. We'd done the shopping. And then I, as we took it out, the kids come running and said, Mom, 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 we've got food now. And I understood then right there at that moment that anyone who only had just had their head above water pre-COVID is going to be fucked now. Mm. They're going to be fucked. Yeah. Um, so right there, that day, we started the food bank. And it was just me reaching out to I only just started using LinkedIn. Then, <laughs> and I started, I started, someone told me, a young guy was telling me, you know, Man, are you on LinkedIn? Oh, I am, but I never use it because that's where you need to be. You yeah, know? 100%. that's where all the you know the CEOs and the and the people with money are. And I said, really? I said, so I started posting there, and then I started searching who's the boss. And the first person I reached out to was uh, Chris Quinn, oh, he, and he's the boss of uh, Foodstuffs North Island, who's one of our biggest supporters now. Yeah, great. He was the first person I reached out to, and it's just snowballed from there to you know we we, but I never wanted to do it. I didn't want to do a food bank. It was mainly, mainly, that's why I call it a food share now. But I mainly just had it there while we're in lockdowns. And then when we went through that real good period of being out for ages, we only had it operating in the background. It wasn't really doing much, just not advertising. It was just in the background. And I started the community kitchen. And that was with Leo Malloy, who helped me to raise the funds uh, and outlaid the initial money to, to build it. And that was, I wanted to educate and give my people a hand up. Yeah. Teach my people how to shop healthy, how to cook healthy, how to prepare, all this stuff, which we still do now. Um, but then we opened it, maybe a few weeks later, the long lockdown happened. Boom. Mm. Did it. And mm. then I, we just scaled straight up. Because we're, so, we're very agile. We're not like a, you know, a lots of other large organizations that take ages to do it. The next day we've done a um, couple of thousand lunches. The next day, the first, sorry, the first day of lockdown. And then we just got all the, started getting all, so we turned my gym into a food bank. Started getting all the stock in. It was just massive. Like our whole gym in Monaco was filled with food, and um, and then as we we're going because it was going for so long, I thought there's no way we can just stop, you know, once this lockdown. So yeah. so I just went out and and we got a lease on this. No funding. We didn't have any funding to do this. There's no way of paying for it apart from us, me paying for it yeah. myself. And but I always, you know, just got to make the moves and and do it for the right reasons, and you always get support. And that's and now we're here, you know, we're, it's a purpose-built, uh, you know, food share, a food distribution centre, you know, it's massive. Are you, I, I do worry about you taking, you're taking too much on and spreading yourself too thin. Is there enough, is there enough Dave time? You know what I mean? Do you, you, how's yeah. your time management? You, you get enough time no, for yourself, enough no. time for your family? No. Do you recognise, is that, is that well, a problem? I do do you recognise it's a problem? Re- I do recognise it. And people say to me, how can it? 
why do you have to try to spend time with the family? What? I said, it's not that I don't want to. I said, but, you know, it's hard because I try, like now I'm trying to have at least one of the weekend days yeah. for, for my family. But it's hard because, I mean, you know, if you're getting a message, that's why I, now I, I don't go into my messages. Um, the team look after it. But if you get a message from a mum who's got nothing on the you weekend. You can't ignore that. Like, how am I going to just leave yeah. that? You know, so. But, like, I've, I'm lucky I've got an understanding wife. And I bring my kids here because I want my kids to understand how lucky they are and how blessed they are and that there's lots of people out there doing it really tough. So my, my kids come in here and help us pack boxes on the weekend and you know, we'll do deliveries to people. Sometimes it's easier just to give them money you know, if, I, if I can't come back out of here and pack a box. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's not much me time and there's even less family time. Jeez, That's you, a hard thing. you must sleep well at night though when your head goes down on the pillow. You must sleep well. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah. The hard thing, bro, is I'm focused on so much different stuff because we've got all the community stuff. Then I've got, you know, my, the, the corporate stuff I do with wellness programs and speeches. And then I've got the, the thing that makes me money is my online fitness app. So I've got to focus on that. Which And then I've, then I've got all the social media stuff I've got to keep a, keep on top of, you know, because that's how people know and that's our profile is social media. You know, So there's heaps of um, different stuff I've got to focus on. That's the hard yeah. thing. So when I get home, then I've got to do all my app stuff. You know, so it's not when I get home. It's not just time. That's okay. I can relax. I've got to do. I still do all my work. Right. Well, if that's the way, if that's where you make money, how can we promote that app? How do you promote that? App? How can if people want to have a look at it and see if it's for them yeah, to sign um, up? What are you? Just go to bbm.fit, You know, and so not only will you be supporting us like a dollar twenty a day, you support us, but it's also you know you'll get fit and healthy. Yeah. Because it's got meal plans and workout stuff like that. Yeah. So that's I've had that since two thousand sixteen, and that's been that's that's how because I only started getting funding like last year. You know, for for my health stuff, late last year for the health programs. Mm. The way I've been able to keep it free for so long and still have my family fed and still do well is from the app. It's the only way. Okay, so that's not your income. That's my income. Okay, plug it again. What's the... Uh, BBM.fit. Yeah, guys, please, I'd urge you, check check it out. Um, have a look at the different pricing plans or whatever. If there's something there that interests you, um, definitely consider it. it hell, even if you're not going to do Just any donate. of it. Just <laughs> yeah, so, Sign up and forget about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Cancel it in a year. Yeah. Okay, if you, if you had to write down Dave Latelli from BBM, like two lists, all the, all the good things you've done in your life and all the bad shit, uh, I feel like the good would way outweigh the bad now. Would that be fair to say now? Yeah, or definitely. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And you know, everything bad I went through is... Really, it was for a reason, you know, it was so I could be prepared now mm. to do, you know, because we, we help so many different people from businesses, business people, chairmen, CEOs, um, you know, to people struggling to get off the couch, to people struggling with work. And I can relate to all of them because I've been in all of their positions, you know. Mm. Um, and so definitely the good outweighs the bad now. And, you know, we're going to keep going. Yeah, oh, that's great. And your your um your ex in Australia, who we just sort of touched upon briefly before, is she proud of you now? Is she proud of the man you've become? Uh, I'd or, say so. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know. I know it sounds, it sounds like you let her down, and it sounds like you still beat yourself up about that. But um, yeah, I mean, you've done some great stuff. Yeah, you know, I let a lot of people down. She was one of them. Um, mm. And you know, my children. You know, and it was the what I would use. You know, when I was getting all this hate and I was living in the sleep out and I was so depressed and I, you know... All I, the hate from the boxing? From the boxing. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to, um, you know, there were... Most days I wanted to kill myself, you know. I, I would I'd drive to One Tree Hill and then driving home, I think, fuck, I should just drive into a pole. 
that would be running through my mind all the time. And then what would stop me was my children. And then what would get me up to go and train again and to stop eating, not eat rubbish was my children. I just, I talk about why and purpose and make yeah. sure, you know, my why was getting my kids back and it took me a couple of years, but I've got all my kids back. Um, and a new wife and son, but I'd picture this, the look that my son Tavita gave me as I was walking away, going to the train station. I was at a hotel. He looked back at me like it was the, he knew it would be the last time he'd see me for a while. And I just broke my heart, you know. And I had some, still had some clothes. Um, still had some clothes of theirs in my suitcase. That's all I had, a suitcase. And I'd be at night, I'd just smell their clothes, you know smell their clothes and just but then that look it would haunt me it was, and it's, you know I still get sad thing about now it's yeah. haunt me that look and you know of his eyes and his face and I just think man fuck I let them down but I'd use it I wouldn't use it as an excuse to stop me I used it as fuel mm. that's the the important thing it's mm. my why and I, I that's you know that's what drove me, to, and it still does, to you know, to do what I did and to do what I do now. And it's just now that my, my why is um, helping others, you know, because there's so many people that that helped me. I didn't get here on my own. I did all yeah, the work. Yeah. But so many people just gave me opportunities. People like um, that would train me for nothing, and with no expectations, just to purely to help me. There was nothing. I had no. I had no money. I had no following. I, you know, they were just helping me to get yeah. my life back. And that's why we do what we do now. We're just paying it forward. Yeah, um, momentum's a powerful thing, as you'd know only too well. Like once yeah. you get that snowball rolling. And how's your mental health now? You're not having those thoughts anymore. Um, I feel like no, you're too busy to have those bloody thoughts. Yeah. You know, I think you know with depression, it's. I, th- I think it's always there. It's, mm. just, it's at varying degrees. Some days I feel good. Um, you know, and then there'll be some days that I don't feel good. You know? mm. I, I, I don't. I don't think about suicide, but there's days where I just feel like, oh fuck, you know. Because look, I could very easily just um, survive off my app and just put all my attention to that. The mm. app is the only thing that makes us good money, and it's the thing I pay less the, the least amount of attention to. Yeah, I could just purely do that. Everyone here that's working for me now can focus on that too. Um, and I think about sometimes when it's because it does get it's so tough and, and, and you get down and you got the weight of everyone um, on your shoulders. You read messages, it's so sad, it makes you sad. Um, and then your family's suffering, so that makes you sad. And then you, you know, your wife's upset with you because you're never home, that makes you sad and makes you angry. And you just think, fuck. You feel like you're being pulled in all yeah, these different yeah, directions. Oh man, why am I, you know, why, why am I doing this? Um, so there's days like that. And I, you know, but you know, I've got a good network of friends now. Yeah. And I just, you know, I'm. I talk, you know, I talk to, I've got one particular friend called Rob Campbell, who's, uh, you know, he's 71, but we're very close. Oh, the Sky City day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's the chairman of our charity. Right. We're very close friends and I helped him to lose 40 kilos and really regain, he's so fit now. Yeah. And so we talk a lot, you know, and that that, that helps. So I always advise people to to not be shy about, you know, talking and reaching out for help, especially with us, our people, especially men. It's a sign of weakness, you know, to ask for help. But really, it's a, it's a, such a great sign of strength to sh- show vulnerability and to reach out and ask for help. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. Bottling it up, it's just going to get worse and worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man, thank you so much. For, I feel bad now. I feel like you should be at home with your family. No, no, no. It's all, man. I've got to um, shout out to my wife, Karine. Very blessed. Very blessed. And and look, you know, and I've talked to her about it. You've 
you know, we look around what, you know, met the, you know, we live a great life and it's, it's, you can't get any better than living a great life and it's all come from helping people. Yeah. You know, it's, man, it's, this is not a job. This is just being a good person. Yeah, it's good for the soul, eh? Yeah. Um, you're a good man, Dave Latelli. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being so raw and vulnerable and open. And uh, I, I hope that everyone that listens to this gets something out of it because I've got a ton out of it as well. No, thanks, bro. Thanks for coming in. Cheers. Appreciate it. All right, Butterby. We've got boxes to pack. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time today. Hope you enjoyed that. That's Dave Latelli. What a champion, eh? Absolute golden human being. Massive, massive heart. And we're going to hear so much more from him in 2022. Got any feedback about the podcast? Feel free to let me know. DomHarveyNZ at gmail.com or message me on Instagram. I do get back to as many as I can. I can't get back to everyone, but um, I do read every message and I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and um, thanks again to the sponsors of this episode, Triumph and Disaster. Check them out online, check them out in department stores or if you're in Auckland visiting or you live there, they have a store on Ponsonby Road. Um, Thanks very much, guys. Couldn't do this podcast without you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.